Springfield Police Chief Kenny Winslow joins us now to discuss it more. And Chief, always appreciate your time. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Jim. Thanks for having me, sir. Well, I want to start because some of the the most recent conversations I've been having with people like Alderman Sean Gregory and others about this stems from this uh, data we reported on last month. Uh, IDOT collects this uh, data from police departments all around the state on on traffic stop information, showing that uh, you know how uh, many traffic stops are done and breaking it down uh, by the the race of the drivers involved. And what we've seen uh, last year, and what we've seen really for a lot of years here in Springfield, is that minority drivers appear to be pulled over disproportionately to their percentage of the population, even though they're not found to have you know contraband or, or problems at any greater rate than, than the average. Uh, and you've raised some concerns about this data, say it paints a misleading picture. So I, I want to start with that, just to kind of have you explain how you perceive this issue and, and why does the data keep showing this year after year if, in fact, you don't think it's an accurate portrait? Yeah, what it comes down to, Jim, is myself and chiefs around the uh, state, obviously, when we started collecting this data back in the early 2000s, it's continued to evolve what we're collecting, how we're collecting, and then basically there's really no true analysis done on the data. It's just raw numbers thrown out there. And while not trying to justify the data, but explain it in a context and give an appropriate context versus just having raw data out that it can be interpreted different ways is one of the things that is frustrating for us, uh, you know, and, you know, this, you know, Take 2019, for example. All the data leading up to 2019 was based on minority drivers. And in 2019, IDOT changes the data set to break out the minorities into different categories. And we saw a spike between then with our African-American drivers compared to what our minority uh, numbers had been in the past. So we really don't have any true data to go back and look to until this year, obviously. Uh, and then you throw in the whole uh, issue this year is the uh, reduction in the number of stops, you know. And, uh, you know, when we got the information, we started looking at our data and, uh, while we believe the information they have is accurate, we believe it's incomplete. And uh, we know that it's incomplete because we reported more traffic stops than what they gave us credit for. So we've been working with our third-party vendor and IDOT to resubmit those, that, that data so we can get a truer picture, and then we'll have to wait for them to analyze it again. Uh, early on when this started, back in the early 2000s, we hired Dr. Hazlitt out of Western Illinois University to conduct a five-year study on the Springfield Police Department and our traffic stop practices. And, uh, you know, there we try to put it into context by overlaying crime data, violent crime data, traffic stop data, calls for service, uh, and bringing that and painting a truer picture of what occurs, and as well as how socioeconomics plays a role in that versus moving stops and uh, uh, equipment violations. So I think when you look at all this, you have to look at that information, and then you have to look at resource deployment. We deploy resources based on data, you know, to include historical data at the police department, crime data, as well as predictive analytics that uses an independent uh, objective algorithm to dictate where we need to be to help uh, reduce crime and prevent crime. Uh, one of the big things for us, obviously, is when we overlay our shooting data, our confirmed shots fired, or even our homicide victims or our shooting victims, people actually shot, and we overlay that data where it's occurring and how we deploy our resources there. It paints a, bit, a, a clearer picture of what we do. And one thing we know in the Springfield Police Department is that locally, not speaking for everybody across the state, is that most of our shootings, whether it's a confirmed shots fired, whether it's a shooting victim or somebody actually hit or a homicide, most of these incidents occur when one car is shooting at another car or one car is doing a drive-by on a house or people in the yard or somebody gets out of the car and approaches somebody and shoots and then gets back in the car and flees. There's a, there's a vehicle component to it. And when we look back to 2020, we actually saw a spike like many of the departments across the country 
in our violent crime. You know, we went through an initial lull during the coronavirus, and then all of a sudden it started spiking and continued spiking. And uh, we had to address that, you know. And when we started trying to learn to police in a coronavirus uh, during a pandemic, one of the things we told our officers initially was, hey, limit contact. We're not going to go on these types of calls. Limit your traffic stops. But then people became too comfortable with carrying weapons and guns and doing drive-bys and doing shootings. So we had to increase that targeted uh, uh, enforcement on our known uh, uh, gun uh, violators and offenders, you know. And that's another thing that brings up when it comes to data that IDOT does. They don't take into consideration duplicate stops. They don't take into consideration that you may stop Kenny Winslow 10 times in a year. Uh, because Kenny's a known gang offender that carries drugs and is involved in gun violence. They don't take into consideration unlicensed drivers. And we know that based on our statistics internally that about 10% of our stops are unlicensed drivers, but that's not included in their estimated uh, multiplier or or a ratio that they utilize. And uh, they say in their own um, in their own instructions that, you know, that multiplier could have an error rate. And to be honest with you, I don't believe that's changed. That 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 multiplier has changed since we started this in the early 2000s. Even though we've had two census since then, so that estimated driving population does it take in the fact uh, uh, people coming to our community, whether that's for block parties on early morning hours where we try to disrupt them by doing traffic stops to keep people from get, congregating and gathering? Does it take into consideration uh, people coming here for entertainment or shopping or to the hospitals or our employment or our population swung by employment? What does it take into consideration? So, again, I don't think statistics can show what's in people's hearts, you know, when it comes to biased policing. But I can tell you that the Springfield Police Department is dedicated to bias-free policing. Uh, We train our people on fair and impartial policing, procedural justice. Uh, We have all the appropriate policies on discriminatory practices, uh, biased policing, et cetera. And, And we look for issues, you know. The ACLU in 2019 came out with some recommendations for police departments, and we follow every one of those with their exception. They wanted us to do away with uh, consent searches. We think consent searches are uh, an option that we should maintain. Uh, Prime example, I may have probable cause to search your car, but versus just telling you to get out of the car, I may be in a more polite, more professional manner. Sir, do you mind if we check your car for that and ask for that consent? Even though we got probable cause, we may go ahead and ask for consent, and that gets marked as a consent search. So, again, we're dedicated to the uh, the best practices. We're dedicated to fair and impartial policing, and, uh, you know, we're looking at this. We're meeting with stakeholders about the data. Uh, You know, again, uh, it's one of those things that I think, again, not justifying, but trying to explain and put it in context. And, you know, that's what we're trying to do here at Springfield Police Department. Springfield Police Chief Kenny Winslow is here with us this afternoon. And, and Chief, I know one of the ways that you're trying to uh, get a better picture of what might be motivating some of these stops or what's happening in the course of these stops is, is that you are deploying software that can analyze the, the the mountains of body cam footage. It's too much for somebody to sit and go through individually. Uh, but this software, as I understand it, can uh, essentially use an algorithm to search for uh, inappropriate words or, or things that would be a red flag if somebody were to watch this video and, and to see it all unfolding here. Is that being deployed now, and, and are you learning anything from it yet? So the uh, the additional uh, software that City Council approved for us uh, last year uh, it is installed. It just went live. We had to go through setting up data sets and all that. But I'm not aware of it being able to pick up all my keywords. Uh, it helps tell us basically if we're following our policy and we're activating our cameras and that they're maintaining activation. 
whether they're being turned on or off. Uh, it also talks about, it helps track to make sure that we're category, categorizing the videos appropriately and that way we're not losing any video, that kind of thing. Uh, it also gives us data as far as tracking our tasers and our use of our tasers, that kind of thing, uh, which will help us become more professional. And uh, obviously, it also has a truly random review process. Right now, the way our review process is, is that a supervisor has to review at least one video per officer per week. And uh, uh, with that said, we also review all uses of force above normal handcuffing. So if somebody does a uh, knee strike or somebody does a takedown or if they do a, uh, uh, if they take somebody or mace somebody, all that's reviewed at the sergeant level and the lieutenant level for whether or not A, it was in compliance, and B, were there other actions or other alternatives that could have been utilized or if there's any training needs that we need to adjust to, uh, to, to uh, address. So again, you know, this helps to the truly random Instead of, uh, you know, uh, sometimes people will take the path of least resistance. I'm busy today, you know, so i got to make sure I hit these reviews. So I'm going to pick the shortest videos out there. Well, this truly gives you a truly random. You may have to watch an hour-long video or you may watch a two-minute video. It truly gives a truly random in addition. And that's where we're looking for our quality and assurance is that, we, A, we're following the law, we're following our policy, and we're ensuring that everything's done appropriate and obviously trying to identify any issues that may need corrective action. And I apologize if, it, if I mischaracterized that. That was how the, the system was described to me as that could actually assess some of the audio being captured in all of this. And if that's not the case, it's good to know that. When do you expect to have um, some some data from this software that you can actually analyze and, and figure out if it's, if it's showing you anything? Well, with that said, you know, our IT guy just went live with it. Um, I would think, you know, obviously we would want about 60 days of data before we can actually compare something. We compare one month to the next month. So I would anticipate within a couple months we would have some of that data. Uh, you know, as far as the uh, keyword thing, it's my understanding that was another $200,000 option that was brought to us. And so uh, with that said, you know, if it's something that we can do a little more research on, I think, uh, you know, obviously uh, uh, a couple of the aldermen brought this to our attention at the budget hearing and an amendment. We support it, obviously. And I wish this uh, uh, this software did that, but it's my understanding from my IT guys that that is not the case. So again, uh, again, it's still addressing some key issues for us. And uh, I always tell people that, you know, uh, we pride ourselves in having a thorough internal affairs process that does detailed and thorough investigations. And we pride ourselves being the first depart- major department of state that adopted body-worn cameras. And uh, we constantly look at all that stuff for our professionalism, and if, an, if a complaint is brought to our attention in a reasonable amount of time, we can go back and address that to include any complaints on a traffic stop about, uh, you know, somebody feeling that they were pulled over for no reason, et cetera. We, we have that data there, and we have that resource there that as long as they're here within 90 days where the data is not mandated by law to fall off, we'll have that video to go back and review and help paint a better picture of what occurred out there. Also to that end of when when people do actually make complaints or feel like they have been subjected to uh, improper conduct, uh, Alderman Gregory told us last week that he's planning to introduce an ordinance uh, that would give the the Police Community Review Commission, the PCRC, a bit more of a role so that when these investigations are done, there would be a report both from Internal Affairs and from the PCRC before a final decision is made. Uh, He says he's talked to you about this idea. Any thoughts on what he's proposing here? Yeah, we sat down with oh, going back last year with uh, uh, then Alderman Turner and Alderman Gregory, as well as our uh, union president and board, to discuss issues. You know, and we tried to basically come up with a policy that worked for both the community as well as the police department and the PBPA. And uh, I haven't seen the final language yet. I'm waiting to see that. 
But it's my understanding, obviously, one thing that they wanted was they wanted to be able to review cases to ensure they were thorough, detailed, and for lack of better words, not a shot job or a sham job. And we have no problem with that. You know, the way the policy is set up right now and the ordinance is written, they only get to review cases where there is no discipline, meaning that the officers were, the case was unfounded, the officers' actions were justified, and then somebody can appeal it. Well, this is going to give them, my understanding, is an opportunity to review all the cases prior to them going out to ensure that they are detailed, they are thorough. If they have a question about the investigation, we can address those questions, et cetera. Uh, you know, and... Uh, uh, additionally, with that said, you know, all cases will now be able to be appealed to the PCRC afterwards. So, again, um, our internal affairs people do a great job. We hold our people accountable. I've always said that if we mess up, we fess up, we take corrective action, and we discipline if need be. But with that said, you know, uh, we get very few complaints, and especially when it comes down to the body cameras. You know, I can't tell you how many times with body cameras people come in to make a complaint, and the first thing we do is say, well, let's sit down and watch the video. And a lot, oftentimes, what my IA guys tell me is that the citizen, you know, says, well, you know, I, in the heat of the moment, I was emotionally charged, and uh, it was a tense situation, and I didn't perceive it as that way. But now, watching the video afterwards, I kind of understand where the officers come from. But it's about education and as well as uh, 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 being transparent in the process uh, that we try to resolve some of these issues. But, again, you know, there's times we do mess up, and, again, we take that corrective action when needed. Chief, I want to ask you, you mentioned uh, the, some of the shooting incidents around town, and I know we've been deploying the, the shot spotter technology. There was a report over the summer in Chicago uh, which says that uh, a lot of these shot spotter alerts are, are really false positives, that there's not evidence to actually suggest a shooting took place, even though it's flagged as such. And they say it can create uh, a, a an incorrect perception in some of these areas, and often go in expecting trouble when maybe there hasn't actually been trouble. Have we done any kind of an analysis here locally to sort of match up the, the shot spotter alerts of sh- uh, shots being fired versus where we know there actually were shots fired? And how confident are you in the accuracy of the technology? Yeah, Jim, obviously I know ShotSpotter put out a rebuttal, but I don't know if you had a chance to see that. But with that said, you know, one thing we do independently is we track all confirmed shots fired. Meaning when we get there, if we find a witness who said there was a shooting, uh, they, whether they heard the shooting, whether or not there's broken glass, there's shell casings, et cetera, you know, we count that as a confirmed shots fired, and many, many departments don't do that. And uh, what I can tell you is that, you know, um, prior to the deployment of shots fired, they told us that we'd be lucky to be getting 10% of our uh, shots fired calls reported to us, and I, I was uh, hopefully optimistic they were wrong. We will be up around the 50%, but the truth is we are down closer at 10%, a little less than I think. Uh, we've had incidents where there's been 20 shots fired uh, from uh, automatic weapons, you know, rifles and et cetera, and no calls from the, the citizens on it, you know. And so uh, this paints a better picture of what we're dealing out there. And we do track the confirmed shots fired. Like I said, whether we get there and there's a witness that, yeah, I saw two cars shot at each other, or I heard five shots, or, hey, there's broken glass out there, but there's no witnesses, and it's obviously uh, car glass or windshield glass, uh, whether we find shell cases, et we also track that. And we've also made some good arrests, uh, you know, as a result of ShotSpotter. We've had a lot of good investigative leads to link calls together, homicides together in our communities as well as other communities. Um, so we, we do see the value in the technology. Now, why, is it perfect? No, obviously that we do get the uh, uh, some false alerts, like things that you can clearly hear that are fireworks, and then we sit back after talking to neighbors. They had it was fireworks. We call them. We alert them to that, and they make the appropriate notations in our data. Uh, but we do see the value in the uh, technology. That 10% figure you mentioned, so what, is, what does that refer to then? So basically, when we were started looking at shots by it, they told us that, 
you're probably lucky to get 10% of your shots fired calls reported to you. Oh, by, by the citizens. By I the citizens. Well, because the reason I ask that is because this Chicago study said that they only found evidence of a gun-related crime in about 9% of the shot spotter alerts that they received. Do we know of the total shot spotter alerts that, that, that flags the department, how many resulted in confirmed shots fired incidents where you found actual evidence of a shooting? I don't have that data in front of me. I know we track that confirmed shots fired, so we do have that. Um, with that said, what I will tell you is that what I do know is we get a report every time there's a shots fired uh, through our respond portal. Uh, it is logged what we find at the scene, and uh, there's notations made by our officers in there. Now, I will tell you that you're not going to find evidence in every case because if somebody's firing a revolver, you don't have it. I will tell you that the ones where we don't find evidence is typically when it's been one shot and one shot only. Uh, you got to remember this runs on acoustics. I'm not going to claim that it's perfect by no means. Uh, uh, I have no doubt that you know we've had a few incidents where uh, nail guns were being used on houses that set off due to the, the decimal level. Um, so we have had some of those issues that we've reported, and we try to basically enter that data so that data is, that information so that data is, can be corrected. Uh, but, uh, you know, we have very good success in finding uh, evidence or witnesses uh, in, in the multiple gunshot uh, incidents. Chief, before I let you go, Chief Kenny Winslow with us, and uh, everybody knows that you recently were up for a job in Bloomington. You didn't wind up getting it. You are still the chief here in Springfield. Some aldermen actually called for you to to step down because they say it's an indication you don't want to be here. Uh, can you address what your current status is? Are you are you looking anyplace else still? Are you here until 2023, like you had uh, said uh, a few months back? What, what's going on with you right now? Well, first and foremost, I never said I was here to 2023. I, I think I made it crystal clear last year and this year and multiple times that I've been in the sunset of my career at the Springfield Police Department. Uh, between you and I and the whole world, that's a few months. Uh, that is not a 2023 uh, timeline. Well, I, you, you told me you wanted to be gone by 2023. So uh, mm-hmm. and we did have that conversation. You wanted to be out before the next mayoral election. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, but sooner than that, even I mean, why why not yeah. why not finish out your career here? What why not? Well, I think what it really comes down to for me, Jim, is that you know we all have a shelf life. You kind of know when it's your time. I I never really knew that. Obviously, my peers and some of my fellow officers told me you just kind of know when that's time and i'm getting there you know i'll complete 27 years at the end of this year and uh um you know somewhere after the first of the year i don't know exact time frame obviously i've talked to the mayor about it so a couple things he wants done uh but i don't anticipate being around here nowhere near the time the election starts I, I, again i think i've made it crystal clear i'm in the latter stages of my career and uh uh, and I've made it crystal clear that I want to uh, continue to be involved in law enforcement on some level, whether that's a chief somewhere else, whether that's as a lobbyist, whether that's working as a teacher or an instructor or consultant. I love this career. I love this profession. Uh, you know, but again, you know, you know, this is a tough, tough job. It's very stressful. I just started my ninth year as chief. Uh, it's not an easy job, and I love it. But with that said, my family has made a supreme sacrifice over the last nine years and uh i'll continue to do that i'll continue to give 110 percent. but you know i am in the latter stages of my career and uh, i would like to still be involved in as we move forward and uh again you know if the right opportunity comes up i told the mayor that with my agreement when i decided to stay that i would consult with him prior to applying for anywhere and and I've, i've done that i've kept my word 
But again, I'm in the last few months of my career, sir. Can, can you effectively lead with one foot out the door? I don't look at it as one foot out the door. If you look around our department historically, there's been several chiefs, several officers, several command staff that in the last few months of their career, they're looking for that next opportunity, including all my officers. Uh, several of my officers leave and they go to the Capitol Police. They start applying a couple months, a few months before they're leaving. Uh, I work with my command staff on a regular basis. Uh, one thing the mayor wants to make sure is that there's a smooth transition and a succession plan, and we're, we're, I'm, I'm dedicated to that, and we'll ensure we're going to do that. Uh, but again, you know, I, I think if you look around the uh, the community, many, many people who decide that they're going to leave one career and enter to another one start looking for a career bef- that second career before they actually leave. But I know that I have a certain time frame that I've been open with, uh, the mayor with, and out of respect to him, I'm not going to get into specifics of it. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I'm in the last few months of my career here at the Springfield Police Department. Chief Kenny Winslow, we always appreciate your time. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Thank you.